Hello friends, Anthony Broom here, team site producer, managing editor over at Maze and Brew, here with a bonus episode. Uh, when I did the post-game show on Saturday night, I forgot to do the segment where I take your tweets, your questions, your comments, your concerns, whatever you want to call it. So I'm going to burn through some of the ones I got here really quick. We're going to get right into it. We all know that Michigan won on Saturday by a score of 49-24. to We'll have more on the reactions, takeaways. They move up to number 13 in the AP poll, 14 in the coaches poll. We're going to talk about all that stuff on Brewcast in the new episode that will be out probably sometime late Monday night or early Tuesday. But I'm just going to burn through some of these questions here quick. It's going to be a shorter episode, but a nice little uh, nice little appetizer heading into Michigan State Week. Uh, we will talk to... Jim Harbaugh, uh, the media will be talking to him on Monday, talking to players on Monday, and we will get things set up, put a bow on this Minnesota game, and then we will have things set up for the Michigan State game this weekend. So let's hop right into the questions. Uh, first off, we will start with a bit of a, a lighthearted one from Dan Plotcher, who is a contributor here at the site. He says we're Jim, or he asks, I'm sorry, were Jim Harbaugh's khakis a huge jinx for the program? Will he ever wear them again? Well, apparently, and I think this is Patrick Barron that pointed this out on Twitter, Harbaugh has wore the blue pants before. And again, I cannot stress this enough. Maria Taylor, Chris Fowler, you did us dirty on Saturday night. The tease towards the end of the broadcast, you have, uh, I forget how they phrased it, we have paradigm-shifting news about the Michigan football program. Oh, Jim Harbaugh's wearing blue pants. What? We're sitting there waiting on news on Daxton Hill. We're, we're hoping someone didn't test positive for COVID. You know, Nick Eubanks didn't make the trip. That rubbed me the wrong way. But, Dan, did the blue... Were the khakis a jinx? No, the khakis were not a jinx. Uh, the blue pants, though, might be a thing to consider keeping because they have worn them twice before. Or he has worn them twice before. Interesting, too. The entire staff, or at least from the photographs I saw, they were wearing the khaki-colored pants. So that was pretty funny. That was pretty interesting. 2017 against Minnesota, blue pants were out. And then last year against Notre Dame, I believe it was, the blue pants were out. Might just be the, the cold pants. I'm not sure. Um, depending on the quality of khakis you buy. And Jim Harbaugh does not have... Uh, you know, the man's got a lot of in his money for the budget, but khakis is not a large part of that pie graph, so um, I don't know if he has warm weather khakis, but yeah, not a jinx, but blue pants might stay. Uh, I'll put it this way. A lot of people want to see them wear maize pants on the road. I'd rather just see Jim Harbaugh wear blue pants. That's my hot take. So thank you for the question, Dan. Another question here from Steven Osentowski who is honestly doing yeoman's work with our website, with video, with the Discord. He's done some stuff on Twitch. He did the hype video that you guys all saw. He's been growing the YouTube page. Like, this man is my secret weapon. And Steven, if you're listening, I appreciate you. He's got a couple of them here. So I'm going to burn through these uh, real quick. Most impressive aspect of Milton's game. Listen, it's... The things we know about, the arm strength, the um, the functional athleticism. I mean, the guy's not a burner. He's probably a little bit slower than Shea Patterson was. 
certainly slower than Dylan McCaffrey would have been. But to run what I imagine is probably no slower than a 4.7, at 6'5", 6'6", 245 pounds, 240 pounds, whatever it is. That's pretty impressive. So we know, we knew these things, though. I think what I was most impressed by, and I won't say I was caught off guard by it, I won't say that I was, didn't expect it to happen, but I was pleasantly surprised by how poised he was and just how comfortable he looked in this offense. Um, it's this, you know, the second year in the system for him. It was the biggest stage you can play on in this atmosphere right now. College game day was in town. Saturday night football, nationally televised game, new offense, new starters everywhere. There were some jitters on that opening drive, but you know from there, he looked like what Michigan wanted this offense to look like last year when Josh Gaddis came in. Very impressed with his poise, his leadership. Um, He's got, swagger is the popular term, he's got a, a a bit of a cockiness to him, but not in like, not in a, a flamboyant way. Like, this is a very confident kid, and uh, I, I, I've been really impressed by that, the way he's carried himself, and the way he carried himself on Saturday night. And honestly, for as impressed as we all were, I don't think that he and, and really the Michigan offense played all that great Outside, everyone was good for an opener, but there's a lot to unlock there still. So that's what I was impressed by. Uh, another question from Steven. Will the running backs platoon throughout the year, or will a couple emerge? I do. Uh, so four guys, this backfield rotation, plus Joe Milton. Um, you know, we saw four guys, if you include Joe, five guys really were the primary ball carriers. It was Zach Charbonnet. It was Hassan Haskins. Blake Corum, Chris Evans. I have a feeling that one of the two of Zach Charbonnet and Hassan Haskins, one of those guys at some point is going to get more of the other guy's carries. I think they want to kind of split it pretty equally now. Was surprised by only four carries from Charbonnet on Saturday. Not sure if he was working through something. Not sure. Someone had tweeted out, and this is unconfirmed, and I haven't really checked a ton of, you know, a ton of things since the end of Saturday night's game. Maybe a head, in, maybe some kind of injury. I'm not sure. Four rushes for 70 yards. He had the 70 yard touchdown. That's pretty much it for him on the night. Um, one of those two guys will kind of eat into the other's carries because I do think what they both kind of bring to the table is a little bit redundant. I would still give the edge to Charbonnet because I think he's a little more polished um, from a from a vision standpoint, from a pass pro standpoint. Um, I think Blake Corum and Chris Evans are kind of going to be 50-50 in terms of the carries that those two guys get, and, and both both of them looked look great. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a platoon, but it might be more of a three-headed monster than a, a four-headed monster like we saw on Saturday night. And the last one from Steven here, the best freshman performance of the game. You know, Corum uh, was up there. He had the the 24-yard reception off the bat in, in the game. I thought he looked good. I know a lot of our recruiting guys here at the site will tell you if he was an inch or two taller, he might have been a five-star recruit. So I was impressed by him. 
I'm trying to think of some of the other guys. Roman Wilson looks the part, maybe not quite, um, you know, the Jackson kid down at Ohio State, but I, I thought that I was pretty impressed by what I saw out of him. Mercari Page, baptism by fire with him in terms of replacing Dax Hill when he was out. Yeah, uh, I don't really have one guy that stands out to me, but, uh, you know, I think the freshmen that did play, those guys certainly look like they belong on the field. So group performance-wise, I was pretty happy with that. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors in life, whether they be big, small, or anywhere in between. And when we keep those bottled up, it can start to affect us in a negative way. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched up with a licensed therapist, and if for some reason that therapist isn't working out for you, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Get life's challenges off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Block M to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Block M. So this next one, we're going to go to Andrew Burris, who says, what is this offense's ceiling? If defenses are bad, can Michigan compete with OSU via offense? Listen, I, I mean, I think that, and I talked about this a little bit in the, the post-game show on Saturday night. One of the themes of the day was I heard in one of the broadcasts, someone had brought up that Nick Saban has pointed out that good offenses are going to beat good defenses now because they're balanced, because they can be dynamic. Urban Meyer said in the post-game of o- Ohio State-Nebraska, you can score points by doing the air raid. You can score points by bullying you know, other teams with the one thing that you're good at. But the truly great teams are the ones that can stay balanced. And based on what I saw on Saturday night, and listen, I'm not going to take anything away from this performance in terms of the good. Everyone did a, an awesome job. High marks across the board. Position unit grades are up on the website right now. Minnesota's front is not all that formidable, and Michigan's front is much better than we thought they would be. So I think that had a lot to do with kind of being able to dictate and do things whatever you want. And the defenses will get tougher as things get cranked up here. I And I alluded to this a little bit earlier. I think that there's still, still more to unlock with this. This is far from a finished product. I mean, Joe Milton had 15 completions. Uh, you know, we we didn't see a lead running back emerge. We didn't see a wide receiver step up as, you know, someone you can go to in a key situation. Uh, the ceiling might, you know, it might be what you saw on Saturday in terms of this is a team that can score 40, 50 points a game if everything's going right for them. And I do think it can compete with Ohio State. Especially if you have a guy, if you don't make mistakes, and this is what the critical thing is in all of this. Michigan made some pretty notable mistakes, and and early in the game, they left some extra opportunities on the field. 
that's the thing that's going to separate you in games against Ohio State. Because really, in these two Ohio State games the last two years, you sh- you could score with them. I mean, even you know, the 2018 year was a little bit fluky, but you put up points on the road in Columbus. Last year, until you started taking out the shotgun and, and firing it straight into your foot, you were, you were going up and down the field with them as well. It's going to be about limiting those mistakes. And, and I think this offense, this offense already looks better to me than it looked last year at any point. So if you can continue to grow from there, if you can continue to limit mistakes and kind of dictate the game, you know, do what you want to do. Like I said, this, this is a team that might be able to do some special things and give yourself a chance in a game against Ohio State. So I think that's all you can really ask for at some point is just a chance. I do do I expect them to get blown out this year against them? I've been on the record saying I don't. I think it will be much more competitive. And I think I feel a lot better about that after what I saw on Saturday. So thanks for the question, Andrew. Uh, we got two more here. Uh, this is from Michigan Mamba. Thank you for the, the question. What was the biggest good surprise and bad surprise for the game? Well, I talked about how I was impressed with the poise offensively. I think the most pleasant surprise for Michigan was the offensive line. Uh, you know, despite the fact that you had, you were replacing four or five new starters on the offensive line, these guys are all upperclassmen. I mean, Ryan Hayes is in his, uh, his third year. Jalen Mayfield's in his third year. Um... I drew a blank here. Chuck Filiagas in his fourth year. Andrew Vistardis is a fifth-year senior. Andrew Stuber is a fourth-year guy. These guys have played together, whether it be on the second team or you know reps with the first team. Mayfield is the lone starter from last year. But those guys looked together. They looked locked in. Um, they mashed all night in the run game. Joe Milton had clean pockets to operate out of. He's got to do a little bit better job of not bailing out of those clean pockets, which is something that I thought was a little bit of an issue early on. Uh, the offensive line, it was the one group this week that I gave an A-plus to. Uh, there were moments where it looked like Hayes may have been on skates a little bit. You know, it, it was more earlier on in the game, if my memory serves me correct. But when you go back and look at that touchdown run of, of Charbonnet, Filiaga was mashing there. Um, Stuber, Mayfield, especially those two guys, that right side of that line, when they do that little QB power, that was great to see. Um, listen, I mean, when, when those guys do what they do and you're not – when you don't hear a ton about your left tackle in Ryan Hayes, that's a, that's a sign that he's doing some pretty good work. So that was my the most pleasant surprise. I think the bad surprise was that the run defense um, – Really, the thing that was concerning to me was that at times the run and and take note. I'm taking nothing away from uh, Muhammad uh, Ibrahim from Minnesota, who I thought played very well. Finished the night with I believe I have the stats right here: 26 carries, 140 yards, two touchdowns. It's a good night for him, and and it wasn't just a couple long runs here and there. He ripped a 25 25 yard run off, but um, you know, he was pretty consistently. Getting the yard, getting some tough yards on the ground, and, and good vision, good burst, and I think that's kind of what we expected to see out of him. Uh, but 
the run fits weren't great uh, for Michigan's run defense. I thought the defensive line um, could have played better, and even the pass rush, it, it they they got to Tanner Morgan, but uh, it, there were times where they kind of were absent in the game. The linebackers were listen. Josh Ross and Cam McGrone are might be the most athletic linebacker duo in the country, but I thought that those guys could have played a little bit better. And then you lose a guy like Dax Hill on the back end, and that's a big piece. And I could you could make the argument he might be one of the top two or three pieces on this entire defense. So um, wasn't super pleased with uh, the performance there uh, as a unit. Again, I think that the defense is going to be fine. I do think that this they won't be as good as they've been the last couple of years. I think they're going to give up yards. I think they're going to give up points. And that's where it becomes critical that if you find yourself in a shootout where your your defense is against the ropes a little bit, you got to be able to counterpunch. And Michigan, this is the comment I made yesterday, not only were they able to counterpunch, they were able to sucker punch when they needed to. So that's uh, those are the two there. Thanks for that question, Michigan Mamba. So the last one is from Shar Adams. Shar asks, do you think the coaches are still going to try and work in Turner from the backfield? I don't have a lot to say there. I don't think so. Maybe a carry here and there. Maybe some garbage time, playing time, which means maybe you see him this weekend against Michigan State. I don't know. He also just recently opted back in after opting out of the season, so certainly behind the eight ball there. Maybe you see him make an impact on special teams, but... um, I don't see him being a factor in the backfield rotation. Actually was a little bit surprised that we didn't see him pop up in the transfer portal this offseason. But he's here. We'll see what happens with him. Uh, And then the last one from Shar is, what witch did Jim Harbaugh upset to be cursed by shitty kicking every year? Yeah, kicking game wasn't great. I probably should have named that as the bad surprise from Saturday night's game. Um, I expect that will be okay. Jake Moody's made some kicks in his career at Michigan. When Quinn Nordeen is healthy and locked in, uh, he can make them from about as far out as any kicker can in college football. Hopefully that doesn't derail them. But not that Michigan's Alabama. Alabama's been getting away with bad kicking for a long time. So maybe it's not that big of a concern anyways. So that's all the questions I have here. Uh, I appreciate you guys sending them in. I'll try and do a better job of getting them in on the next post-game show. Again, you can follow me on Twitter at Anthony T. Broom. Follow the website on Twitter at Maze and Brew. Follow us, subscribe, rate, review, wherever you get your shows. Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher. That's it for a bonus episode today. Appreciate your time. I'll talk to you guys again soon uh, on Brewcast on Tuesday. So thanks for listening.